All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck nicks? What the fuck doodles? How's it going? What's happening? How's your denial holding up? How is your fortress of uh, of rationalization holding up? How's that holding up? How are you getting through your life? How are you managing your blinders so you can get a little joy out of your breakfast? What are you doing? How are you keeping things away from infecting the rest of your goddamn brain every time you turn on your phone? Give me some tools. Give me some tools. This is the way the economy works. How are you? What's happening? Welcome to the show. I'm Mark. Have we met? Nice to see you. No, I, I, maybe I did put on a couple pounds, but it was worth it, right? Anyway, look, today on the show, Jeff Foxworthy. Uh, he's got a new special out. Jeff Foxworthy, he, 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 he was popularized in American culture by a tagline, you might be a redneck if, but I've known him, I don't, I, I've not known him for years, but I did one of my first paid weeks as a stand-up, either opening or featuring for him in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Very nice guy back then, and I still hold that thing in my brain. I'll talk about it in a second. What I did to distract myself from everything is get obsessed with uh, Beanie. Some of you listened to my Keith Richards interview, and I, I, I just couldn't stop pestering him about that beanie he was wearing, whatever you want to call it. I call it a beanie. I just wanted to know, man. I wanted to know where that beanie came from. In the, in the same way that when I first saw Keith when I was at high school, I wanted to get a guitar like his. It's just, it is what it is. It, it's a good hat. It's a good old guy hat. He looked great in it, and I just got obsessed with it. And I know it, some of it had to do with it being Keith's beanie. I get it. But I was annoying to the point where his people, you know, I... I, I <laughs> Yeah, I I really get myopic or selfish or what. I mean, the guy was here to promote the goddamn reissue of Main Offender, which is out the box set. But I just want to know where the fucking hat came from. And I guess I was a little I was a little persistent because I asked the publicist, you know, maybe find out where that hat came from. And then somebody who is follows me on uh, Instagram works for the Stones, and she's like, "All right, here, this is where he got it." Now, just basically shut up about it. We've had enough. We don't want to give any juice to this company. So just, you know, here, do what you will. I'm like, Jesus, can a guy want a hat? I mean, I'm not looking to promote the hat. But the bottom line was, is after a couple of uh, false leads of my own, just poking around buying beanies, you know, I thought I'd spent too much on a couple of beanies. But these beanies, the actual beanies, uh, hand-knit cashmere, pricey. And of course, I mean, what did I think? That he got it at uh, Urban Outfitters? I mean, he's fucking Keith Richards. He's going to get the the most expensive beanie there is. Yeah. And and don't think I didn't buy two of them. Yeah, these beanies better, you know, I don't know. They When I put them on my head, they, they better be magic. They better make me a fucking magician. They better make me a better guitar player. They better make me, I don't know, fly. I'm not cheap, man. And look, and I'm trying to enjoy my life and also trying to uh, keep the darkness away by, you know, actively engaging in our economy. That's that should be the slogan for America. That should be the, the progress. We're America. We're trying to keep the darkness away by actively engaging with our economy. Welcome. Welcome. Are you sad? Buy something. Are you depressed? Buy something. Are you terrified? Guess what? You can just get online and buy something. 
Pow! I just shit my pants. JustCoffee.coop, a classic plug that was unwarranted, unnecessary, and unasked for. <clears throat> okay, so you're like, am I going to give you the name of the place where you can get the beanies? If you, if you want to spend like three to $400 on a, on a hand-knit cap, I can help you out. I can I can direct you there. Go blow up their website. Go buy some beanies if you want. It's uh, Elder Statesman is the name of the company that made the beanie. And I'm not here to promote them on behalf of Keith Richards. I want to make that clear. They were very sort of like, you know, we don't want to. Okay. This probably get me in trouble. It's probably get me in trouble with the Rolling Stones people. But look, man, it was a quest. It was a journey. And my persistence led me to the grail of the beanie. And I got it, and that's where I got it. So be it. I went to uh, I went to see Gang of Four last night. Look, I've got a couple of Gang of Four albums. I always like the sound. I love the guitar sound. I wouldn't say that I was like uh, a crazy fan or anything, but there, you know, I I've got Entertainment and the other record, and I I always liked them. But my friend Nicole said, "You want to go?" And I'm like, "All right, I should go out and do something. Let me go to a concert. All I do is comedy and hang around with comics. Maybe I should go see a show." So I'm like, okay. And I, even then I was like, uh, you know, we got to get out. You know, I, I can't, I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to, you know, get too many people around me, but it's not, I don't know if we're post COVID, but uh, we're certainly fuck COVID. And I've been out in the world doing shows, obviously for months and months, as you know, and I got COVID a few months ago, but it's been, it was amazing to be out watching a show, there's an energy to it. This fear that, that some people have, it's like, I don't even know how to be in an audience anymore. You know exactly how to. You know exactly how to be around people. It's what we're supposed to be. We're, 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 we're kind of like uh, people are a, a species that needs to be around other people. It feels good. It feels good to become part of a bunch of people. Comes right back to you, man. I mean, it depends how terrified you are. If you're still terrified, don't do it. Some people wearing masks, some people weren't. It's probably smart to wear them if you're still afraid, if that'll make you, enable you to engage with uh, the group, the group species activity. But uh, it was great. It was great. And at the beginning when, uh, when What's-His-Name came out, when John King comes out, the front man of Gang of Four, I'm like, wow, man, everybody's old now. We're all old. But that guy leaned into it and fucking kicked ass. And I guess the other original member is Hugo Burnham on drums. Sarah Lee, I guess, has played bass for them forever. She was great. And David, how do you say his last name? Is it Paho? The guitar player, which is the driving, the, the rhythm, the music of, nothing is more specific, really, than Gang of Four music, than the sound of it, that guitar sound, the drum sound, the bass sound. And they just nailed it because they're Gang of Four. But I don't know what they were like with the with Andy Gill before he passed, the original guitar player. But that guy, Peho, if I'm saying it right, David, boy, man, he fucking nailed it. And it was great. It was electrifying. And it was fun. And I left before the encore, which is amazing. Get out. Get out. They left the stage. I left the venue with uh, my friend. We walked back down. I left my car at the comedy store. And I had two slices of pizza. Did I mention Jeff Foxworthy this year? But he's a nice guy, and I haven't seen him in person since I opened for him back in probably 1986 or 87. Isn't that crazy? He's got a new special on Netflix called uh, The Good Old Days. He's a real deal. He's he's a real comic, and this is some real comic talk coming at you right now, me and Jeff Foxworthy. Here we go. Do you 
know, we've met before. You know that? Where? I, I, I mean, this is kind of funny, but I, uh, one of the first weeks I probably got paid to do comedy. I can't, I don't, it has to be, I can't remember if it was after I came back from LA getting all screwed up on drugs or, or before in between college and when I moved out here in 86. But I was emceeing at Laughs Comedy Club in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh my goodness. So it was probably 85 or 86. Yeah, I had just started. Right. And uh, I think it was me and you and Jimmy Woodard, Woodward, or okay. maybe, uh, but it doesn't matter. But it was I was one of the first paid shows, and you were the comic. And you were closing with, I kind of remember, it was like maybe your dad on a boat that was on a trailer. He was got, a, got pulled over <laughs> by the cops, for, yeah, for towing a boat. And they yeah. were like, no, it's not against the law to tow a boat, but... Uh, law does require you put it on a trailer yeah, yeah i right. can't remember the bit and right. it was like uh can you ask your friends to get out of the boat please yeah, yeah right, right. oh that's my god it. yeah 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 that's 35 years ago isn't that crazy, crazy. but i remember it i remember you know because you know you're just starting out and it makes an impression and you know we were talking and hanging out it's probably was that before you were married even yeah, probably. Yeah. Wow. I got married in 85, so it was right around that right time. Around, yeah, it had to be you, like it. You know, now have you ever noticed this? We tend to remember other comics' old material better than we remember our own stuff. Well, sure, until someone sparks it, like even what just happened. Like, like you know, how did you set it up? You know? I, I reminded Leno, yeah. Leno of a joke he did. Yeah. Mike Lacey and I used to just guffaw at this. Yeah. Uh, Leno had a joke about the, remember the Amazing Colosso Man? It was one of those old sci-fi movies where the guy had drank the formula and he grew to be like 90 feet tall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it showed his wife was like at home ironing with the TV on in the corner. We interrupt this program. There's a 90-foot man pushing over hotels in Las Vegas. Yeah. And Leno goes, his wife stops ironing. He goes, you know. Bob's 90 feet tall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And Lacey and I would just wet our pants laughing at right. that. And Jake's like, I don't remember doing that. He like, churns you so many jokes. Yeah. He used to do a joke that I used to, I remember about the, <clears throat> the about commercials from, the, they were commercials from the uh, Kling Peach. Kling Peach. <laughs> the Kling Peach. The Kling Peach Advisory Board. And what was the piss? Like, this must be some job. Yeah. Hello, Kling Peach, Kling Peach Advisory Board. Yeah, is it okay if I can eat Kling Peaches on my cereal in the morning? Yeah, we have no problem with that. <laughs> you remember that one? I do. Yeah. That was, that was uh, like, and that again was like the 80s when he was doing clubs. Right. Yeah. Right. I remember. I God, think, he was so good in clubs. Yeah, I remember seeing him in the 80s when I was out here at the improv or something. Yeah, just now, kill. I got, I got to check a story. Now, I don't know if it's because uh, it, I remember you telling me a story. Oh, Lord. I, I don't think it was about you, but it was one of these coincidences because, you know, I was a drug guy. I, it, it, I remember it, but it, it was about you on a beach, staying on a beach and all of these drugs washed up on the shore. No, I lived on. I lived in Sarasota. Okay, and I had, uh, I had gotten. I was young. I yeah. had gotten divorced, and so I had this. So you this married place, once before? Yeah. Like I got got married at the age of twenty, and, yeah. and was married for like six months. Yeah. It was this stupid. Yeah. So, but I had this place, and I needed the money, so I rented it out to two German foreign exchange students. Right. And they would get up in the morning, and they would go walk up and down the beach. Right. 
and I'm working at IBM and I get up one morning and the two of them are in my dining room and they've got a bale of marijuana <laughs> and kit and like big butcher knives and they're chopping it and I'm like what they're like we are so lucky it washed up on the beach and I'm like dude I'm going to work this cannot be here when I came home and when I came back from work I think yeah. they had they'd moved I don't it like already 16 grocery bags full of pot uh, <laughs> Wild. But I, I remembered the seed of the story. Oh, yeah. Isn't that trippy? Yeah. I'm like, but you could smell it from the parking sure, lot. Right. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was there. Uh, it, it, I think it paid for them to stay in America for another <laughs> for, six months. They're so. still here. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're, they're big marijuana dealers there God, for years. They, and, all they did, they, and they would cook liver and onions every night. That was I, it. You remember? Oh, I just remember that. A bale of pot and liver and onions. Yeah. yeah. So wait, so where did you grow up? I grew up in Atlanta. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go there soon. Are you? Yeah. Where are you playing? Buckhead. Buckhead. Yeah, yeah Buckhead. It's like a, a little theater. I guess it's like a five or six. I don't know. You know the theater? Buckhead Theater? Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm going to play. i see you. You're you, like 10 minutes from my house. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I, uh, it's it's not, I, I don't think it's entirely family friendly, but I, I you can say. Oh, I can. <laughs> Dude, I got 38 years in this business. You toured with Ron White. You can handle it. I can handle it, yeah. Well, I just, I think it's interesting because I, I watched uh, the new special last night. Uh, was, did you? I did. Oh, that yeah. just makes me cringe. But really? Yeah, for another comic to watch it, yeah. That still makes you cringe? What do you think? What are you worried about? Oh, yeah, uh, honestly? Yeah. From the very beginning, I used to tell my wife, Tell me when I'm not funny anymore. I don't want to be the comic that's not funny anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking? Sure. Like everybody sees the old guy get up you know, and you're like, good. oh, no, dude, don't get up. She's don't. not going to tell you. Uh, she's not going to tell she's you. She's not. <laughs> you know what she told me? She said, you just listen closely. Yeah. You'll know. Yeah. No, I thought it was great. But, but what is the name of it again? Uh, the good old. Oh yeah, days. yeah. But it's the at the title. I'm like, oh, is he gonna get nostalgic? But it's not quite. You know no, what I mean? Because no. there are some shitty things about the good old oh, days. Oh yeah, it's a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of shitty things. So, about the so good like, days. it was kind of a good mix, and and you still got it. But it, but it is very like I'm always sort of amazed. Like you know, I don't have to be dirty, but I I'm not like I'm not blue, but I you know language wise, and I you know I'll push the envelope a little bit. Yeah. But I, I don't mind it. But I've worked with guys like Bargetsy used to open for me. Yeah. You know, before, you know, he became a huge star. And uh, I love it. But, like, for some reason, I always say, like, well, you know, I'm going to warn you. Like, if you come to the show, don't bring your grandkids or anything. Right. Well, he's one, so, you know, he wouldn't get oh, it Oh, good, anyway. good, good. But uh, but that's the only reason I say that. But, no, I thought, uh, I thought you, you, how long has it been since you ditched that redneck business? On stage? 20, 20 years? You haven't done it in 20 years. Yeah. Uh -uh. Isn't that wild? It, and it's funny that that's the thing everybody knows me for at the how, height how's it not going to be the, at the height of it yeah i probably did it five minutes at the end of a show at five minutes out of a two-hour show at its peak right but there's a bunch of books yeah there's a ton of books and, and I, I started it. doing a page a day calendar on it in sure. 1990 what and i still do it but, it's, a, it's a big hook how are they not gonna yeah so that's yeah and so i'm i i saw it now not like I'm ashamed of it or I want to get, but it's like if anybody follows me as a comic, I think of myself more as a storyteller. Sure, of course. And they're one-liners. Sure. And and yeah. I think that's why they were popular. They were easy to remember. Yeah. They were easy to retell. Yeah. You could remember a line and you could sure. get a laugh and in the break room. People can make them up themselves. Yeah. If they oh yeah. Wanted to. And, and and they do. Yeah. Well, I remember. Didn't you? 
those books, though, I mean, wasn't Vic Hanley helping you out with that stuff? Vic and I were buddies doing that. He passed uh, away, right? Yeah, he did. He, he died uh, uh, about six months into, into COVID. Really? It was yeah. that soon, huh? Yeah. So From COVID? No, they don't know for sure he was living in New York. Yeah, I mean, um, I knew him pretty well. I mean, we had the comedy cell we, for guy, years. He was a funny guy. He was. Yeah, good nice guy. guy. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, but did you have people churning that stuff out with you? I wrote a lot of them myself yeah. in the early days, and yeah. then people just started sending them to me. Sure. And yeah, and, I mean, the, like I said, they were. It, it wasn't until I'd been doing them for fifteen years. One day, Rich Scheidner said to me, "Hey, uh, you you know you." You're doing the punchline first, then the setup. And I said, what? He goes, well, if you did it right, you should say, you might be a redneck if you have a complete set of right. salad bowls and they all say cool whip on the side. He said, you're doing the the other way. If you have a complete set of salad bowls, oh, right, say, right. you might be a redneck. Right. I said, oh, crap, Rich. I never thought about that. So... Yeah, the, the it te- worked, you know. Old Rich Scheidner, the technician. God, Rich Give you a little, little craft, a little shop talk. Yeah. All right, so Atlanta, you grew up there with uh, how many, a big family? No, one brother, one sister. And was there, How? when did you start knowing you were going to do the stand-up? Well, I, I was one of those people that didn't know what I was going to do in life. You know, it was kind of like a family. That, Are you the middle? I'm the oldest. Oh, really? Uh, and looking back, I probably should have gone to like an art school or something. I, I, I'd, I'd always drawn and painted oh, and yeah? stuff. But uh, like when I was in high school, my I didn't have any money to buy my girlfriend a birthday present. So I entered a speech contest where the first prize was 50 bucks and in I high won school. it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you remember looking, that bit? Was it? Was no, it, a, it was a serious speech. It was something about America. But <laughs> but I but I kind of knew about early <laughs> that I could write. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew I could make people laugh. Uh, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I flunked out of college. And yeah. my, my dad was working at IBM. And so I think Doing he, what? He was he was like a manager for them or something. My folks had been divorced for they got divorced when I was really young. But I think my dad called some of his buddies and he's like, hey, my son's kicked out of college. He's working in a grocery store. Can somebody give him a job? And, you and know, one of his it. buddies called, come down to IBM, fill out a thing. How'd you get kicked out of college? Well, because I had no money. I was living at home. Yeah. And. And I was working full time at a grocery store, so I would work from three to eleven. Oh, so you just couldn't. Focus. And then I'd get up in the morning, take eight o'clock. It, it was just too hard. Georgia Tech was hard anyway. Yeah. And yeah. What were you doing there? What were you going to go for? Industrial management, which did, didn't didn't do anything. It was the easiest course that they had. Industrial management. But it was the closest college to my house. Right. But it was an engineering college. Right. You right. know, looking back, I should have gone. And taking journalism or art or yeah. something, but you don't know. You're a kid. Do you have regrets about that? Or well, I'd say it worked out all right. Yeah, it worked out all right. I know, but was is there something in your mind you're like, I really would have rather have. Um, done. I, I, not really. You know, I mean, it happened the way it happened. Sure. But, but like, I I learned real early in life. Like, I I would save my allowance and I would buy comedy records. I yeah. bought Flip Wilson and Bob Newhart and. Yeah, all, then as you got older, you bought Carlin and Pryor. Yeah, but, yeah. And so I, I learned very early in life I could make people laugh. Yeah. But I just never envisioned that it was a way to make it. I didn't think you could do it. Right. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I thought you had to get a job. And, right. and so I was working at IBM, carrying a tool bag. It sounds more glamorous than it was. I was fixing machines. Um, 
Like what kind of like uh, some you know big computer something really? someone just picks this room yeah right the, the big screw old screwdrivers and yeah, you know yeah, take yeah, the power yeah, supply yeah. out and stuff yeah and but I was the guy that, that was at work doing impersonations of the boss in the break room sure. every office has sure. that yeah, guy. yeah 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 the troublemaker and the troublemaker uh-huh. uh, well, I wasn't on the fast track to the yeah. top and. Um, <laughs> A bunch of guys I worked with yeah. would go to the Punchline, the local comedy club in Atlanta. To Pettis Place? Yeah. Yeah. And they would, and they came back and they were like, dude, you're funnier than a lot of people down there. You should go try this. Uh-huh. And and so they entered me in a contest called the Great Southeastern Laugh-Off. It wasn't like an amateur night. It was working comics and they did like eight weeks. Then you had the semifinals and then the finals. And it was like, what, 84? 84. Uh-huh. And so I'm like crap you entered me and so i went home and wrote five minutes about my family and went down there on that tuesday night and i won the contest the first night i did it yeah and i was scared to death i couldn't look at anybody but i knew a minute and a half in i'm like crap this is it this is what i this (laughs) is what i want to do do. yeah it's like a a blessing and a curse Uh, blessing and a curse but it's (laughs) it's because you're like so i quit i I mean i went up amateur night for four or five months and I, i actually met my wife the same night she was there she was acting the night of the contest yeah she was acting she had just done a tv thing with a guy that's a comedian and he was in the contest so her and a Who? bunch of people Which robert guy? peacock I don't know um, and i'm still friends with them so yeah. they went down there to root for robert and i won but i met her when i came off stage so i met my wife and my career four, four minutes apart wow. which is crazy yeah that was a tuesday we went out on a Saturday. I moved in with her on a Monday, and that was 38 years ago. So, like, you moved in with her, like, in, within a week? No, within two days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> within It was a good first date. I would say. And, and we're still together four decades later. Well, that's the good part of the story. Because yeah. like, uh, you wouldn't have put money on that. No, no. <laughs> nobody would have put money on that. <laughs> but, I, but I knew... I just like, man, this is it. But, you know, when you're from a working family. Did your mom work? Yeah. But they were in separate houses and you were kind of yeah. back and forth. and Yeah, mostly with my mom because my dad lived out of state. Uh, but but it was it seemed so flippant to not have a job job. Sure. Yeah. And they they get nervous for you. Oh, yeah. That's her. Yeah. For, her my mom's first question when I quit IBM, she. I remember sitting in her kitchen and yeah. she said, are you on the dope? Oh, yeah. Whatever the dope, <laughs> the dope. A variety. Yeah. With the broad ranging word for dope in general. Yeah. For drugs are you in general. on the dope? Yeah. And I said, no. I said, mom, I think I can do this. I said, I, I think I can. And yeah. Five and a half years later, I'm on Carson and the same mother's going, you wasted all those years at IBM, and I'm like, okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then, then it was like, wow. why did you get into this earlier? Well, okay, well, you're, you're. It's better than the ones that are like, well, do you make money on Carson? Does that mean you're making money? Oh, well, my mother still this past Christmas because I flunked out. I, I made it through three years before I flunked out of college. Yeah. Last Christmas, my mother's like, you really ought to go get that last year. <laughs> I'm like the, the comedy thing's going all right, mom. You yeah, know? just for closure, you know, yeah. just so you can have that degree. Yeah, you've got that something to fall back <laughs> on, just in case. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like most people. I think most parents are that I have found when I talk to people. It's not that they're not supportive; they're just nervous. 
And, and probably rightfully sure, so. Of course, if they can talk you out of it, you know. So, you, but what does security really mean? I mean, you, you know, what what kind of life you want to have? I don't know. We're just unique people. I mean, that, there's some part of us that just doesn't give a shit, and we're going to go do this. You're right. Yeah. Be, you're you're right because even if we hadn't gotten paid, we'd have been doing this. Yeah, it's a weird thing like they, that people don't really understand because like people who are sort of like, well, what if it doesn't work out? Yeah, comics don't really even think about no. that. <laughs> so so does it ever cross your mind because you're like me and you've gotten away with this forever? Yeah. Do do you ever just sit back and go, holy hell? I didn't. I never had to get like a real job. No, I I did it the other night in a hotel room in Laconia, New Hampshire, yeah. and it could have gone either way. <laughs> I, I could have been grateful, or I could have been like, "What did I do? What the hell did I do?" <laughs> but, but I, but Mark, I think that I I'm know. like, "Wow, I, I kind of conned the world." Yeah, I, it's like when people talk about jobs, and you start to really realize, like, the last one I had was at a restaurant in college. Yeah, and that was it. And the other ones have been in, in show business somehow. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Well, and and there's something within us. It's like my wife's sister; her husband was in the military, and they like knowing. This is what we're going to be doing for the next 25 years. Yeah, I can't. Well, if any point in yeah. my career, if if you had said to my wife and I, what are y'all going to be doing in a year? We'd have looked at each other and giggle and go, I don't know. Hell, I don't know. Exactly. I have a hard time now with tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I like I don't know. I got to look at the calendar. I don't know if that's a age in my brain or what, but I can't, I can't, I can't think about it. No. Especially, what are you going to be doing in two years? Hell, I don't know. Are you kidding me, man? This almost all went south for me. Yeah. It all seemed like you were on a pretty good trajectory, most of it. But I was in my 40s, and I'm like, I'm in trouble. And <laughs> That's the first time you went, ah, uh, wait, wait a well, minute. Well, it was like, you know, if I don't turn this around, there's no turning around. And I don't, and I didn't even know what to do. That's when I started the podcast and things turned around. And look, yeah, that, it seems to be going but Yeah, okay everything now. worked out. But yeah. I mean, dude, I was in my 40s. Yeah. It wasn't, there was, like, I got shots. I was in the, you know. You know, I was in the loop in the game, but but it didn't go anywhere. Yeah, I had big management. There's no one's gonna take. No one's gonna be like. They're not your parents, right? You know. Yeah, they're not gonna take care of you. Yeah. So like, so once you win the contest, I mean, what was the? Because that was what year? Eighty four. So eighty four. So the club boom's still kind of happening. So how do you you know, pay your dues? What do you start doing? You got five minutes. I. I mean, I like everybody else. I started. I quit the last day at IBM was New Year's Eve. And I drove from IBM to Birmingham, and I opened for Sinbad for their New Year's show. In Alabama? Uh-huh. How was that? Well, I used to get so nervous I couldn't eat the day of the show. Right. And as I'm introducing Sinbad, he's cramming an egg roll in his mouth. That guy's and I a... thought, oh, my God, that's my goal in life. Oh, I want yeah. to be able to cram an that egg roll. That guy can just do it. Oh, he murdered. He, he, murdered. He, he could perform eating. Murdered. Yeah. yeah. And But I... You know, I, I worked week out. But was like, that like a black crowd? No, it was, uh, a, it was a mix, half uh, and half. But he, he it didn't matter. He sure. would have killed anyway. No, I was talking thing about you. I'm sure I, I have complete confidence in Sinbad at that point. <laughs> 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 I'm not one bit scared of a black crowd. No, no, I'm just wondering how it went. I'm not uh, saying there's it, no fear. It, it went all right, you know. Yeah. But I, I, like you said, I had hell. I had probably seven or eight minutes sure. when I started. And that's all you had to do. 
and I, you know, I, I used to keep those. Remember those little uh, calendar books, and yeah. I would have. Sure. I'd, I'd work Tuesday through Sunday. Go, I'd drive back home to Atlanta, wash yeah. my clothes on Monday, and go back out. Well, yeah, but was there like a, a one nighter thing too? Because I have all my yeah. old calendars, oh, yeah. and I go through them, and I try to remember those rooms. Because I was in New England, there were just dozens of oh. one nighters. Same thing in Florida, North Carolina. There was just one nighters. Right. Straight. So you, that's you did that thing. I found two person show usually, like opener yeah. and a headliner. Yeah. I found the book from the first year I was on the road. Yeah. I did 406 shows. Now that counts like two on a Friday night. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 406 shows. First year? First year. $8,300. Hey, you're getting your education, man. Well, that's how you learn to be. And, and, you know, I say that it's like, if you want to be an actor, you go to acting school you yeah. want to be a musician, you go yeah. to music school. Yeah. You want to be a comic, you yeah. hang out with comics. Yeah, you want to be a comic, you go to the shitty place that yeah. has a comedy night. Yes. And it's you and some sad, bitter headliner. So you're doing those one-nighters. Like, who are the guys? Who are you open for? Killer Bees? <laughs> Bees was opening for me, but I, I'm trying to think, like, <laughs> bi- there was a guy named Billy Elmer. There was, Billy Elmer, right. He used yeah. to, and then he ended up in radio, right? Didn't he, Billy yeah, Elmer? Yeah, I think Billy Elmer. Yeah. Uh, I was. There was Frankie Pace. You remember? Sure, Frankie, Frankie Pace? with the little hat, the bald guy did the miming, yeah. the piano. Yeah. Sure, I knew Frankie. Uh, a b- bunch of guys from New York. John Heyman. John Heyman. Wow. John Heyman. I remember that guy. He was John funny. Heyman made me laugh. He's funny, man. Just to hang out with for the night. Yeah. Yeah, he was like he was like a pre-Atelatel kind of. Yes, like a, yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, remember Heyman. And, and I would make myself. I, I think I was smart enough even then in the beginning to realize that this boom wasn't going to last forever. Right. And so I made myself get out of my comfort zone. I didn't just stay in the South. So I'd go to New York and do the crap gigs in, in Jersey? New Jersey and all that. The uh, Roger Paul and yeah. Tony uh, Camacho gigs. God, and... Tony Camacho with the biggest tongue on the planet. Uh-huh. Uh, or, you know, or go hang out at Catch or what. But I wanted for people to I knew the, at some point the bottom was going to fall out and I didn't want to be one of a thousand guys calling saying hey right. you don't know me but right so you wanted to get in in new york and stuff well yeah, yeah and i don't know if you ever felt this way yeah but it's like in your own hood like atlanta sure i could look at the pictures on the wall and i knew where i fell in that list mm-hmm. i'm like all right i may not be at the top but i'm <laughs> above these people who was the top guy when you were coming up in atlanta atlanta james gregory probably really i don't even know that guy uh he's still doing it still killing regional yeah huh. yeah he never well that's the thing about these like i came up in boston there are regional acts that kill kenny rogerson kenny's great he was a boston guy first. kenny kenny was is a... he down there now no i don't know where kenny is but he was funny as hell i'm so thinking funny, of boston so, kevin so meany big so pants funny fan. yeah oh yeah, yeah. Don Gavin. You got Gavin. There were so many funny people from Boston. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Mike McDonald. Yeah. Mike, yeah. And some of them are still doing it there. Yeah. I came up with Joe Yannetti. You know Joe yeah, Yannetti? Yeah, I do know Joe. Very funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I used to do open mics uh, after college. It was me and Joe Yannetti. And uh, who else? So you were working around some really good comics back then. Well, yeah, because I started doing it. The, the first time I ever really started was 84, the summer of 84. Well, now, was Poundstone from uh, yeah, Boston, she, too? I saw her do a show at the at the uh, Paradise where, you know, someone sent her like a million, uh, like a hundred boxes of those uh, those ding-dongs or whatever. Show. She used to love those. It was some sort of pastry. But like when I started... I only did it for that summer, and that it, then I didn't do it till I graduated. Then I, in 86, I moved out here and became a doorman at the comedy store. So why was that? 
It was too hard. I I'd put I'd gotten into comedy with another guy, and we did a team thing in college. And then, like when I when I started doing it myself, just the 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 hammering of the open mic at that time. And I was drinking, and I was a kid. I was twenty one, but I was just like waiting around to go on. Like Kenny, yeah. like I remember one night specifically, Kenny was hosting an open mic. He got shit faced. And he just kept bumping me, yeah. and then all of a sudden, there's no audience left. He's like, "Ah, oh, I forgot." Yeah. After I've been there three hours, yeah. and it was just, it was kind of brutal. But as soon as college ended, I'm like, "All right, well, I'm in." And then I came out here, you know. But it's always brutal when you're like, I remember one night being at Catch, the worst. I wouldn't go there because of it, dude. And and finally, Lewis is like, "Okay, you're you're gonna go." All right, Foxworthy, Foxworthy. But yeah. he said, "Hey, but uh, listen." Um, George Wallace wants yeah. to do five minutes in right. front of sure. Well, George has never done five minutes in his life, you know. And <laughs> yeah, George yeah. gets up there and does fifty, oh, and then it's like, no I'm there. sorry, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, to me, that twenty bucks was the difference between eating and not eating that night, right? You know? And also, there's the, the the idea that you did catch. Yeah, that it had this like I I would like you were some star because you did a set. At I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't deal with that place. Yeah, and just that guy having any power over my life, I couldn't handle oh, it. Oh yeah. So I just did the downtown rooms. I'd go do Silver's old improv. Would you, know? you do the strip? Yeah, sometimes you know Lucian, but Lucian was like, oh, yeah. I've already got an angry white guy, and I'm like, what do you want from me? Right. So I was sort of down at the Boston Comedy Club, and Silver when she had the improv in yeah. its dying days on 44th, oh, I'd do my that God. place right in the middle of Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, yeah, but that was all right. Yeah, yeah, it was like missing it was a, letters. It was a funky little club. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was great, and it was over. Yeah. by the time I got there, right. it was it was just me and Uncle Dirty <laughs> and Bob Shaw. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, and I remember I was so the, like, so the first time I went up there to work, they said it was a Jersey gig. And they said, we'll pick you up in front of the improv. And I yeah. thought, the improv yeah. in New York. <laughs> and I get down there and of course it's in Hell's Kitchen. And as I'm waiting for my ride, I sit, I watch a guy get stabbed on the Come corner. on. Two guys jump the guy, boom, boom. Really? Take his wallet. Here comes the police, the ambulance. And now I, I'm this Southern kid. Oh, uh, yeah. So they pick me up. I go do the gig. I'm telling them, the dude, they jumped and they stabbed him. So I thought, we go I do thought, the gig. I thought the bit would be now that it's like, well, I guess you're going to have to do his time because that was the opener. Right? <laughs> no. So yeah. we get back yeah. and they drop me off in front of the improv. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's like two in the morning. And- my wife and I are staying at a hor. This is before they cleaned up Times Square, sure. so we're staying at the consulate over there on 49th, and uh. I've got to get from the Improv over there, and I have no money. Uh-huh. So I I hid my money in my shoe, yeah. messed my hair up, and I walked and I walked picking up cigarette butts, talking to myself because I thought if they thought I was crazy, nobody would mess with me. It's so funny the the perception of New York, but you did see someone get stabbed, so it makes well, it a little different. Well, that's just scared the shit out of me. So sure. I'm like picking up. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's a beauty right yeah. there. That is a beauty. Talking to yourself. Yeah. Until <laughs> I got the last 50 yards from the hotel and that I ran. just ran. Yeah. How the hell did your wife stay with you through all this uh, broke-ass stuff? You know, she she always felt, she said, I never wanted a boring life. I always figured <laughs> oh, yeah. I, would, I would have a bohemian life. She never yeah. cared about... Like money or whatever, she yeah. just didn't want to live in a box. Well, did she come from that? Like, what's her background? I mean, like she's from New Orleans. She was oh, she was New acting. Orleans. So uh, like, yeah, so she, she lived in the real Bohemian. Yeah, world. Yeah, she lived in the Bohemian world. She was. You know I, what she knew though about you is that like no matter how uh, how how dire straits got, you're a good guy. Yeah, right. You know what she said, th- th- what? and I'll never forget. So. Yeah. So we so we meet. So she's there. She sees me the first night on stage, and we we start going out and doing this. Yeah, 
And and we'd been going out for a couple of months, and she said to me one night, she goes, you have all this creative stuff yeah. just crammed inside of you, and if you don't find a way to let it out, you're going to have a real crappy life. Yeah. And so she was the only one that was saying, you could do this. You could quit IBM, and you could do and, and And, Mark, I felt like, I mean, it sounds hokey, I felt like, Somebody was actually seeing me for who I was for the first time in my life. Yeah. And I'm like, really? You think I could make a life being creative? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because right, nobody's right. ever said that to me right, before. Right. Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, hell, let's do it. And we didn't, I mean, hell, those first few years, we got married in New York for a hundred bucks. Uh, we went down to, to the city hall. Why and, in New York? Because I'd won the contest and, and I got to go. So this whole marriage and relationship thing was spontaneous. It's totally spontaneous. So <laughs> so, so we're in New York, and we're like, oh, hell, let's get married. So yeah. we go down to City Hall, and we get a marriage license. And we're standing in line for the justice of the peace, and this girl in front of us, her water broke right there. And I got so grossed out. I'm like, I can't do it in here. I can't do it in here. So we went out to the street, and I found a phone book, and I was looking for, like, justice of the peace, and yeah. I couldn't find one. So I'm going to churches. Mm-hmm. And I called this church and I said, hey, do you marry people? And the guy's like, yeah, I'll marry you. He goes, I said, how much? He said, 300 bucks. I said, hell, we don't have 300 bucks. I said, why is it so much? He said, well, it's 200 for the chapel, 100 for me. I said, we don't need the chapel. We'll do it in the hall. And he started laughing. He said, he said you know what? He said, he said, I'm right across from the garden at Central Park. I'll meet y'all there. Oh. And so um, – our wedding photos are two Polaroids of me and my wife and Andre the park sweeper with his broom who's got one arm around he my was the wife. Witness. Huh? He was the witness. Yeah, and he's got the broom in the other hand. <laughs> For a hundred bucks that we didn't even have enough money. We we split an entree at Tavern on the Green. That's how That's and, a sweet story though. Yeah. It's all of the sweeter because you're still together. Yeah. Like these these stories would not be great if it didn't no, work out. But but it's <laughs> like, you know, my daughter got married like three years ago and it probably cost seventy five billion dollars. And I said, Look, you know your, how much your it mom costs, and yeah. I you know how much I, I swear to God, Mark, I don't. Because 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 like when my, my wife's name is Greg, she has a weird name, but with, so Greg and my daughter are sitting there going, and look at this tent, isn't it pretty? And yeah. they've got that th- and I go, How much is it? And my wife would look at me and go, you're taking all the fun out of this. <laughs> and they would leave, and i go, well, hell, I still don't know how much it is. Yeah. And then so the morning of the wedding, we yeah. got up, and and I, we're sitting there drinking coffee, and I looked at her, I said, I said, you know, I don't know if this is costing a dollar or a hundred million. Yeah. And she goes, think a hundred million, and you're going to be really happy. Yeah. <laughs> so to this day, I have no yeah. idea. It, I, it was a lot. I know that. Yeah. Well, it's different. It's nice to be able to give your kid that, right? Yeah. So uh, it was a great day. How old are you, though, man? I mean, I'm watching you on this thing. I, we can't be that far apart. I'm 63. All right, I'm 58. So you just you had kids, pretty. I mean, you got grandkids. Just I, my first one. He's a one year old. We had kids kind of late. We were like 33 when we oh, had okay. our first one. Yeah. And they had. So your daughter had kids pretty soon. Yeah, she's early. like 27. So yeah. Oh really? Yeah. I guess I don't really realize I don't have kids, so I don't see myself aging. So yeah. like I can't, like, you know, I don't see their progress and go like, oh my god. Well, it's kind of weird because in your mind, come on back you, in. You yeah, can, I can. When I look at my grandson, who's one, I can still see my kids at that age. Yeah, you know, sure, aging sure. is. I don't know if it's that way to you. In my mind, yeah. I'm still the new guy in comedy. You know, yeah. There's something that doesn't change. 
inside of us. I, I do notice that that there for me it's a you know some sort of fundamental weird insecurity. Like no matter how successful or what happens, there's still sort of, there's still some part of me like how'd that guy get that? But don't you, you know? very clearly kind of remember being the new kid and and now you're like crap. I'm not the new kid. I'm the old guy. We're, we're definitely the old guy. Yeah. But like I see it more because I'm out. I'm doing you know the comedy store every yeah. night, and there's all these kids running around. I'm like, I really don't know who's doing this anymore. And we used to know. Yes, and you now you don't know. Yeah. And it's like when they ask me for advice, yeah. and I go, Well, I made most of my money on comedy records and DVDs, <laughs> yeah. which nobody buys records or DVDs anymore. So I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I think there's a lot more ways to get seen now but the pie is split so much smaller you know it was back 35 years ago yeah if you got on carson and had a good set right it was like the mafia you were a made made comic did you do carson yeah you did it with carson yeah no shit so wait okay so you go to new york after you win the contest you get married in the park you see a guy get stabbed and a water break. It's a big, <laughs> big and get married. Big deal, yeah. <laughs> Beginning of life, death, marriage, and then you go back to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And what you become? What you just start working out I'm, the punchline? I'm line just, I'm, no, I'm a road dog. I'm all over. I'm. But work- I mean, who's run, who's running you out there? Is Depetta your manager? is managing okay. me at that point, point. Okay. And, and I am on the road every week because my whole goal was to do Carson. With Johnny. Right. And I know he's you not- knew there was a window. I, I know he's not going <laughs> to stay that long. Yeah, yeah. And everybody was saying, well, it takes you 10 years to be good enough. Yeah. And I'm like, I ain't got 10 years. He ain't staying 10. So this was, that's what the, that was what was driving you. It was what Because was, you saw your heroes on there. Yeah. And, and you knew that was it. Was well, it a I remember idea? being a kid. Yeah. And the, my mom would watch The Tonight Show. And you know how a door's like not closed all the way. Sure. And I can remember, I didn't care about the- Actors yeah. or the right, but when I heard a comic, I'd get out of bed and I'd go watch it through that crack in the door. Yeah. George Gobel and George you know Kobe. all those, <laughs> yeah, uh, and Rickles, yeah, and so Rodney. That was my goal, yeah. and so I said, everybody said, "Well, it'll take you ten years," and I thought to myself, uh-huh. I said, "I'll do it in half that. I'll do it in five. Uh-huh. and it took me five years and two months. But I, but so I you started out as a feature. Is and now I started out as open, but I didn't open really? long. I opened for like four months, right. and then I was featured. But I right. was, but but I maybe it was IBM, but I had a work ethic about it. Like I go back to the you wanted to do the cars? condo. I was, I'd go over my set, and I'm writing. You know, it's way before you were recording your stuff, but. I'm writing every night. So you're the guy writing while the headliner is drunk or having yes. sex in the Oh, other yeah, room. yeah. They're everybody else. <laughs> Someone's is... sitting at the table doing blow, and you're like, no, thank you. I'm <laughs> I'm working on my set. Uh, uh, so so this is... Oh, that's the picture. I was wondering, like, are you texting? No. Uh, oh, yeah, look at that. And he's laughing. Yeah, he's laughing. You and your thin tie. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great shot. Yeah, I did. I did uh, Fallon a few years ago, and the lady said, "Hey, I was going back through the files, and I found this picture, and oh, I never that... got anything from Johnny. So I'd been there for twenty five years." And I said, "Oh my god, an actual picture? She had a photograph. Yeah, she, had the, she gave me that picture. Oh, that's great." And I said, "I said you have no idea how much this means to me." Oh, that's beautiful. Um, you know, it's funny is like you know I I was in the hotel room because uh, I did a string of dates last week. I'm watching all the late night guys, and I got to be honest with you. You know, Fallon's really the the most fun to to do to play to. No doubt. 
when I do Fallon, like he's really he's really looking at you like, are you gonna make me? Is it gonna do? Are you gonna do yes. it? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And and, and Jimmy loves stand up you know him. loves yeah, comedy yeah, so yeah he's excited yeah i i did because a lot of people were kind of hard on him at first but i'm like he's the most fun to as a comic to sit in that chair next to him and like he's looking at you f- for real like make me laugh and he also knows how to save people like he you know if you're oh yes so he's good at that but see like you like letterman loved you well i mean i did it a few times and i don't know that he really remembered me i saw him the other night dude it was very funny uh Someone brought him over to the comedy store to see me specifically. Like, I, I've interviewed him. Like, yeah. he knows me. But I don't think he remembers anybody was on his show. Sure. More than, if you've only been on there, like, five or less times, he's like, I don't know. Yeah. But it was so funny because I'm backstage at the comedy store. And it was like a weird night. It wasn't even a regular night. It was a produced show, like, that I agreed to do. And the, the manager comes back. He goes, David Letterman wants to talk to you. I'm like, he's here? And he's like, yeah, he wants to talk to you. My first thought was like, am I in trouble? <laughs> Going to the principal's office. Am I out? Yeah. Am I not going <laughs> to? <laughs> but I hung out with him. So what he want? He just was came down with some people, and he just was wanted to tell me that he loved what I was doing because no one was doing it, and it needed to be said. And and then we just talked for a while, and he and he was like, yeah, we laughed. I got him laughing. That's the best thing. Even in that picture of you and Carson, like I was on the patio of the comedy store, and I got Dave laughing, and you know that laugh from your whole life. Yes. Yes. To and make when, them laugh. It's like, oh my god. It's it's happening inside of you, you yeah. know. Like it's great. So five years in, you're out there. So you middle and what were you middle when you did it? No, well, I just I'd gotten to the point where I was. No, I my first headlining gig was a year and a half into it. So, sure. Well, okay. Uh, so I was kind of headlining like at was the that like M- a triple M- gig. Like, uh, uh, yeah, no, it was like a KC the Treehouse uh, uh, in Kansas City. Uh, or oh, really? So. But I was like headlining Funny Bones and Punchlines and Improvs uh-huh. and things like that. But I was living in Atlanta, and I kept mailing tapes to the Tonight Show, and they would just mail them back. Oh, really? Did De- 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 didn't have any? No, and they were, and they were like, and, and my wife finally said, "You're not going to know if you can do this or not unless we go to L.A." So we load, you know, like the Clampets in reverse, and we go to we go to L.A. What's she doing for work during uh, this one year? At this point, she's selling milk for a local milk company. She quit. I mean, she's doing a little bit of acting. Yeah, but she's. Uh, but we're starting to make enough money to live, and but you got to go out for it. But Leno, I will have to say, Mike Lacey at the Comedy Magic Club uh-huh. liked me. I went down there and worked, and Mike had Leno. But you moved out here. Watch me, yeah, moved out here okay. in a U-Haul, yeah. And um, so Leno went in and put a word for me, and then we'd been here about three weeks, uh-huh. and I did a set at the Improv, and Jim McCauley followed sure. me out into yeah. the lobby, and he said, "Why haven't you done the Tonight Show?" And I said. Because you keep sending my tapes back, you don't even open yeah. them. Yeah, and two two weeks later, I'm on the Tonight Show. So. And at that point, like that's what eighty six. No, that's like eighty nine. Oh, so it's eighty nine. So yeah. it's almost done. So it was like the Tonight. He, I don't remember when he retired. He's like, I think he quit like ninety or ninety one. Right. Yeah. So like it was weird because you talk to the guys from the seventies. They're like that first one just meant you better have nine other ones ready. Yeah. That was a whole different time. Yeah. Those guys, they do five, and you didn't know if they're going to call you in two weeks. Oh yeah, they and which they might. Yeah, you know. But but so you had the one shot with him. 
one with him, and then with Jay, Jay took sure. over, and I did a million of them with Jay. It's but. so funny because I like I just drew a line with Jay. I was like, I'm not doing it, like you know, like because Letterman was my guy. Yeah, like so I had this loyalty thing. I'm like, you know, like I if those two got problems, I'm going with Dave. Well, remember back in those days, we we almost had to declare you either had to be a Jay guy or a, a, a Letterman. Well, I was definitely guy. a Letterman guy, even though he wasn't like putting me on a ton. But I, de- I definitely was a Letterman. But didn't guy. you? Once was Letterman weird for you to do? Like I remember, like Letterman would almost try to trip me up. Oh, well, you oh, know. Well, I didn't do much panel. Like I remember, like I just like the I did four episodes. I think I did four stand up shots and one panel towards the end. Yeah, and the stand up like. You know, I work with Eddie Brill. First, I, Zoe Friedman yeah. got me on first. Yeah. So, and we work with her, and I work with Eddie uh, on the sets. And I just remember one set I did. It, uh, they all went pretty well. My first Letterman was great. Yeah. And I remember going to the panel, but like he didn't, we didn't do much of it. Yeah. But like right when I sat down, he goes, You can make that work on the road? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said to me when the cameras went out. I'm like, Yeah, I can. <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't sure how to take it, but I'm like, I can too. I can make. <laughs> oh, I remember. Like, I I always preferred to do stand up, but that kind of went away. You know, I I love doing panel, but I did stand up. Well, on stand up, I was in control of the pacing and all, as 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 opposed to somebody setting you up to tell the story about your vacation. Right. Well, know? I always liked like I did. I did like fifty shots on Conan. Like Good I was on Conan. God. I was on Conan a lot. Yeah. It, it, it never it didn't sell one ticket. Yeah. But because I think I changed my haircut too much, I always blamed it on my haircut. Like, if I could just you know you know level off on a hairstyle and some way of dressing, I would be successful. I picked a hairstyle when I was a junior in high school, yeah. and I never changed. I see it, it. Yeah. and the mustache yeah. you're set. Yeah. Uh, but but I the guys I always liked watching were like Richard Lewis on Letterman and like the panel guys. Because yeah. then you could build this character thing. Yeah. So I just did panel all the time, and the other benefit of of it was if they got stuck. They would call me. It's like, can you do it tomorrow? You got anything? I'm like, I got a bunch of half ideas. You could go on with half ideas because they were funny enough. Right. Do you know right, what I mean? Right, right. Didn't have to be developed stand up. Right. Yeah. I, I, there's part of me that's sort of like, I wonder what it'd be like to do one of those. Because by the time, you know, the 90s come around, you're talking about four and a half minutes, five minutes. You're not doing eight minutes stand up. No, no. I mean, it's like five and, minutes. Dude. And I will say, like, doing that thing with Johnny. Yeah. Because you, you did stand up and then sat down. Right, well, you don't know. I did. I got called to the. Oh, so you don't know if you're going to sit down, but you but, did stand up. But but I. So you're. But but you know how it is. You got to prepare that set. And and they say, I'm not talking five fifty five, and I'm not talking six oh five. It's yeah. six minutes. You're doing it around. You're going all over town and making sure this thing's exactly six minutes. Yeah, because you pulled it all out of context. Yeah, it's all out of context. All yeah. pieced together. Yeah. So, I go up. They open the curtain, I find the star, and I get about three jokes in, and I get an applause break. Now, I'm smiling, but (laughs) inside, I'm going, oh, shit, this is messing it up. And I'm thinking three minutes down the road going, all right, I got a tag on that joke about my dad. I'll throw that. I'll get rid of that because this- You're pulling stuff out? So you're, yeah, I'm pulling stuff, and then I get two more jokes in, applause break, and I'm like, crap, I got to get rid of that whole joke. (laughs) So you're smiling and talking, but you're really editing- Two or three minutes ahead of That's yourself. Funny, because I would just my thought would be like, just talk over the applause, just stop the applause. Break. <laughs> you know, I, I, there's no way I'm rearranging this thing. I'm just gonna have to step on this applause so I can get yeah, the. We rest don't of- want them clapping. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So after that, you're made guy. 
Yeah, kind of. I mean, it kind of happened pretty fast. I in '90, I won the uh, American Comedy Award, the Club Comic of oh, yeah. the Year, and then I got oh, and they still had that little sh- book that was yeah, at comedy the, clubs. Yeah, or was it the Punchline Magazine or whatever? whatever yeah, right. and then I did a, a Showtime special that year. It was like '91. Um, yeah, '90. Yeah, so. And who are the guys there like around? Like so, Jenny's still huge back then. Jenny right? was big. Yeah, Slayton. Uh, Slayton was big. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you're going all over the country, right? So you see, yeah. Jake Johansson. Jake Johansson. Yeah. Drake Sather. Drake. Uh, yeah, that was one of I I I worked with Drake quite. We did some little comedy festival thing together for a while, and he made me laugh. Dark guy, dark uh, Larry, guy. Larry, Larry uh, Miller. Larry Miller. Yeah. You talk about funny. Great. Oh my God. He can Great string funny. a story out. Mark Mark Schiff. I know sure. You know Mark, Schiff. Mark. Mark Schiff. He yeah. talks. He's got that weird wispy thing. Mark told me I worked with him at Zany's in Nashville early mm. on, and he took me to dinner back in the days where we weren't. Maybe it was before it was Orthodox. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, uh, he said, you know, I just decided if I ever headlined, I would take the other guys to dinner because yeah. they're not making any money oh that's nice and so i'm like i'm gonna do that that's your policy headline, oh yeah. that's good so when did now how does it really go down you know like because i don't know like i knew dan whitney for a minute when he was at the comedy store when i was a doorman mm-hmm. before he was larry the cable guy mm-hmm. right and i never knew ingval i never knew his work at all mm-hmm. and you know ron white i kind of knew by reputation but these guys by the time you guys decide to do that thing, are big acts, you know. At Ingvall least regionally, was probably the biggest guy on the Funny Bone circuit, you know. Right, he was exactly. Out of Texas right. and people. And when I started doing Funny Bones, they yeah, would, they would kind of compare us. Like uh-huh. Some people thought Foxworthy was funny. Some people thought Ingvall was funnier. And then yeah. we met and we went, "Oh hell, we like each other." I thought I hated your guts. So, yeah, oh really? Uh, Just because of what you're hearing about each and other. And I knew Dan before, when he was Dan Whitney. Right. You know, he was like that the opening act at the Comedy Corner in West Palm Beach, and right. we were both Braves fans. So I'd schedule two weeks down there during spring training, and we'd go to ball games every right. day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Ron, I saw Ron the first night he ever went on stage. His first amateur night. In Texas? Night. Yeah, in, in Arlington, Houston? Texas. Oh. Arlington. Uh-huh. And uh, tater he, salad. Was, he, tater was, salad. he was selling windows for a living. And, yeah. And He's I a seller, him, that guy. And I went and found him in the corner. And yeah. I'm like, dude, you're funny. You yeah. need to be doing this. Yeah. So, so wow. So you saw him like when- His you know, very first time on stage. Come on. Yeah. What are the odds of that? Yeah. So and we just kind of became friends. Then he like quit his job. And he started being a comic down there, and I worked down there a lot in Houston, right? Uh, well, this was in Arlington because he was kind of living between Fort Worth and but uh-huh. yeah, but he hung out with the Houston guys a lot and yeah. Um, and Bill and I became buddies, and and Dan, you know, I, st- I call him Larry half the time, and Dan half the time. But, uh, yeah, but we had been friends, and so 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 y'all knew each other. But like, so you're touring, you're just doing the headliner thing, and you're you're appearing, and you did the Showtime special. I had a sitcom for a while, which I hated. You did? I hated. So I, 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 what was I, that I, called I, again? The Jeff Foxworthy Show. That's but, a clever name. Yeah. <laughs> But but I was never one of these guys remember. that wanted that. It yeah. was kind of like somebody said, "Hey, you should. We would you like to do?" A Were scene? you out here when it happened? Yeah. So how long did you live out here? Like seven and a half years. Oh, so you were really doing it? Yeah. 
And 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 then you just and, look, I, and I started doing it, and and then they didn't want me in the writing room because I was a comic, you know. And, right. and I'm like, let us make decisions yeah, for you. And this is TV, Jeff, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, it's called the Jeff Foxworthy Show. Right. Uh, oh, so yeah. I, so I just hated it. I, I I'm like, because I'm like reading something that wasn't funny. Yeah. And then on Saturday night, I'd go out and do stand up, and I was saying what I wanted to say and making more money anyway. So like, who who produced that? I, it started. My first one was on ABC, and then I did NBC. The same show went from one network to the other. How weird was that? Yeah. Um, and but, it yeah. got canceled, and then I thought, look, I'm just a com- I, And I was happy. I, di- I was happy being a comic. I yeah. didn't care if I did TV. Yeah. And so I'm like, if I'm just going to be a comic, I'm going to let my kids grow up around their family. I'll just move back to Atlanta, mm-hmm. and I'll be on the road. Sure. And that's what Nate did. That's what a lot of dudes are doing. Yeah. And so I and I had people out here that are going, You're killing your career. You'll never well They you don't know. understand when you just want to be a comic. You yeah. Know? Well they don't. Yeah. Like that's not enough. But to me, and still to this day, I think being a comic's the greatest job in the world. Yeah. It's better than being a TV star or sure. a movie star. Yeah. It's, it's it's less work. Yeah, well, it's weirder. It's weirder. <laughs> yeah, How, you don't know what you're what kind of cojones in. do we have to go up and grab a mic and think what we have to say is worthy of everybody's attention? I know. Yeah, <laughs> and then, like, and if you're me, you know, they're expecting something. I resent them for that. <laughs> so, so like, we're, we're, I always start at odds a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's my style you yeah. know that's how i developed it uh, what do you want yeah but i i'm pretty funny lately i like it when i go because uh, i'm not i'm not even taking an opener right now i'll go out and do an hour and a half hour, but do, two hours but see i don't want an opener i'm yeah. like if i'm going to go to all this trouble yeah. to get here i want to i like being on stage i yeah. want to talk and also it's like it's my show yeah yeah it's like yeah. And, and well if you got the time just do it but I see mean, the, i think that's really cool that at this point in your career that you go i'm pretty funny right now yeah yeah, it that's was, cool. Yeah, thank God. It only took uh, thirty years. <laughs> 30. <laughs> no, but you know it. You're you're cocky enough to know. I yeah, do I'm know it. I do right know now. it right now. But all it takes is one show, Jeff. Yeah, oh yeah, you're right. Right. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. There's some, some nights I'll say to my wife, I still got it. Yeah. Then, then the next night I'm like, eh, maybe I should just hang it up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'm done. <laughs> and then you get one new joke. You're like, I'm back here. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So wait, now, now when when the hook happened, were you like, you know, yes? You know, I I was lucky because I had an upward tra- trajectory, but it wasn't steep. It was kind of steady. So after so after the TV show, you're just a stand up. Yeah, right. I'm, and I'm writing the redneck books. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're already doing the blue collar thing. That's in now. 90- that started in. When did we start Blue Collar, Mike? Like around, I moved back to Atlanta in 97. We started Blue Collar like 2001 or something Oh, really? Like that. Yeah. That's big. You made guys made money. But we never saw it coming, Mark. Well, we had, uh, our first gig was in Omaha. Yeah. And we had all, we had all taken three months and said, we'll do this for three months. Yeah. And we ended up doing the first one for three years. We had no idea it was good. But, but I remember... The, the guys that were promoting it, they wanted some big production number at the end where we all four came out and sang a stupid song or did what? something. And I said, and and as a, and I always tell people this, I'm not just a comic, I'm a fan of comedy. Yeah. I love, well, as a fan of the Carol Burnett show, I used to love it when they made each other laugh. Uh, right. Yeah, and I said, yeah. I said, can we do the opposite? And, st- and you're just trusting your, 
instinct. Sure. I said, instead of just doing talk. something big, yeah. can we just bring stools out and yeah. just yeah, try yeah, to make yeah, each right. other laugh? Right, right. And they're like, well, I don't know if it'll work or not. And you couldn't practice it, you know. Of course it's going to work. You got Ron and Whitney out yeah. there. Yeah, and so that first night, we got 9,000 people, and I get to the end. I was doing, I was fourth up, and so I get to the end of my thing. and said, hey, why don't we bring the other guys back? And they came out. And we do our little thing, and at the end of it, 9,000 people stood up, and we looked at each other and went, holy shit. Yeah. You know, what have we stumbled on yeah. here? Yeah, just the chemistry thing. Yeah. yeah, and we were having a blast. Sure. You know. It's fun when you just you know, riffing. As you know, the, the only negative thing about being a stand-up is half the time you're on the road by yourself. Right, And right. so this, you were hanging out with your buddies. Yeah, that's funny. And everybody's like, you know, hey, how, how often was everybody like, where's Ron? Uh, every day uh, in fact it's, I was like the dad of the group yeah. and so I would tell Ron when we had two shows I'm mm. like the first show you got to mix Coke and Sprite together in your glass because yeah. if you didn't you wouldn't. You couldn't understand him during the second show. Oh yeah, man! So yeah, so. do the fake booze. Yeah, the fake, fake booze, booze in the first show. show yeah. And he would do it. He'd do it. He'd do it for me. He loves me. Oh, he wouldn't. He, anybody else, he'd have told him to stick it. But no, he'd do it for me because you don't want to get him too loopy. Yeah, heffy. He's always called me heffy. I'll do it for you. But yeah, that's great. So, all right. So, what about this show with the with the uh, the fifth grader thing? What's, I got, it called? What's it called? Are you smarter than a fifth? Grade? Now, is this something you did for fun? Like, is this something like sounded like a fun thing to do? I got because you did it for a while. I right? got I did it for like five or six years. Yeah. Uh Mark Burnett called me. He said, "Would you have any interest in doing a, a game show?" And I said, "Nope, too cheesy." Yeah, that was my first answer. right. And I said, "What's the premise?" He said, adults taking an elementary school test for a shot at a million bucks. And I started laughing. I said, you know what? Actually, that's brilliant. Yeah. Because everybody's going to think they can do it. Right. And and I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And But what I liked about it, as opposed to doing a sitcom, was you could stack them. You could go shoot a bunch of them at Strip one time. Them, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 they like go on a out Tuesday, you do that whole next you know? week. Yeah, yeah. And so I went out and auditioned for it, and they gave it to me, and I actually enjoyed it. I mean, yeah. it was, but I was, I was shooting when we were doing the half hour syndicated version. I was shooting eight a day. Yeah, I'm like, let's just get it over with. Let's run them through the thing, and then let me go do stand up. Yeah. And so I mean, that, that was something I never saw coming, but right. I kind of enjoyed because I could still be funny. I could still kind of mess with people. I could still be funny, and I yeah. could still do my stand up. So. so when you were building this special, what's your process? I mean, like, you, you know, you're not, are you doing small rooms? Are you doing 15 minute sets? Or are you just going out and adding, you know, stuff on? How do you build an hour? I, I got to Netflix approach me about doing it. Well, yeah. I knew I was, I said, all right, the only way I can make myself write a new hour is I've just got to say, I'm not doing any of the material I've been doing. Ever exactly. Again. And you, you got a job. Yeah. And yeah. so now you got a job. And I said, that's it. Not doing it. And started doing the note cards and started going to clubs on Monday and Tuesday, right. Wednesday night, and you know, literally holding them up, going, "Is this funny?" So you, were you going the funny? Laughing Skull? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. With so no go, cards in hand, so you go to an eighty seater and just kind of figure it out. Yeah, that's you, the way to do no it. There's no other. There's no, no other, other way. way to do it. Well, I, I'll get a black box theater and just riff. 
I just yeah. like I'll let people know what's up and you know and fill it up with my fans and I'll say like well, we'll do an hour or so and see what sticks. You know what I do? I get three boxes. One yeah. of them says gold, one says silver, and yeah. the other one says certificate of appearance. <laughs> and I get up there with my cards and I'm like, hey, what about this? Blah 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 blah. And if it gets a big laugh, it goes in gold. If it gets a kind of a chuckle, it goes in silver. If it dies, it goes in certificate of appearance. So it's a, it's a theatrical presentation. You've got the boxes. So. But the thing that so fascinates me about stand-up is after 38 years, I still don't know what's going to work and what doesn't. Yeah, it's how can you really? And that's what makes her fascinating. Yeah. That's because if you said to me before we walked in, hey, pick the four cards that are going to work the best yeah, yeah. i'd be dead wrong on two of them right well i don't even write cards I, I have outlines of things and i do it through talking yeah so like and a lot of my writing happens on stage so when it when it happens for me like i have to corner myself into a situation oh where i have God. to be funny to get out so when something's delivered to me it's literally like where did that come from wow do you know like yeah, it, do you, what do you then run off stage and start writing it down or? well i do and I, or I just keep repeating it yeah yeah and, until it's but it all sort of organizes itself yeah. on stage so it's almost like the muse or whatever it is like it comes out of the air and i've become kind of fascinated with that i know it's my head sort of but it's in that moment where like you know i, I know i got a funny idea but i don't know where it goes and i'll do the funny idea and in that moment where you have to be funny yeah It'll come out at some point, and you, or it won't. Oh, it, and you're going, where the hell did that exactly. come from? Yeah. And that's the exciting part. And that is the exciting part. It's when you, you're taking something, you're like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, you just remind me. Like, I did something last night. I got a... Uh, Write it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a story of my life. Note cards and notebooks with things scribbled on it. It was just a funny moment about... You know, like not knowing what woke is, like what does woke really yeah. mean? And and then like when somebody's anti woke and you're talking to them, the idea is like, so so you're the you're the not woke. Oh well, then then I'm definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what I am but, anymore. Right, right, right. But it's sort of like I know I'm not like you, whatever that is. But I don't know how to frame it. So but. when you when you go to do a new one, I mean, you're committing yourself to a year of. Of hard work. Totally, totally. That's what I did. Like, I, well, I don't know about you, but like during the pandemic, I had moments where I was like, you know, like, I don't even miss it. And then I got I got booked on the New York Comedy Festival. So from the day we could start working again out here to November, I was just like, I got to do a whole new hour. I got to figure it out. So I booked a residency at uh, Dynasty Typewriter, small small theater, every Tuesday, and just hammering out comedy store, yeah. hammering out building. And I don't know where it comes from, Jeff. Yeah. And I and you never know if you can do it again. You that's don't. the weirdest thing. That's, that's the that's the scary thing about it. Mark. Right, it's scary. Right, you're like I don't know if I can. I yeah. don't know if I got it in me. And then you just start. But you've done it. How many times when you really look at it? doesn't matter, though, does it? Well, every time, you know, I've done like seven or eight albums. Right, so every right. time you do an album, you're starting from scratch. Exactly, but you don't think of it that way for no, some reason. No. It's like it's like you were saying, you feel like the new guy all the time, because every time you start that process again, you're like, I don't know if I can do it. Or do, you, or, or do you have like one little piece of it that you cannot make it work and you're like, crap, I know this is funny and yeah. I cannot make it work, yeah, cannot yeah, make yeah, it yeah. work. And then one night... On stage, something just comes out of your right. mouth, and it gets a big laugh, and you're like, holy it hell, it that's, just worked. That's my whole process. Yeah. That's the only way I can do it. 
Wow. But that's the good part. Yeah. That's the po- Oh, there's no better feeling in the world. Right. It's not the polished end thing. No, it's better than an orgasm. Yeah, You're like, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is awesome. When you walk off and you're like, and no one would even know which no. moment it was. No. Because it's usually one moment. Like, you know, you've got jokes But you're laying work. in the bed that night going, I was hey, like, crap, that, it worked. Yeah, yeah, where'd that come from? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank God. Thank God. But that's the other thing. Like, I, I have to assume, because I've done a little homework on you, not much. But your faith has gotten you through in a lot of ways. No, I mean, it's just always kind of been always, always been there. there. Yeah, but like, like in dark times, like you know when. You, but like, do you feel like do you hold it responsible for for the being? Because you didn't get screwed up. You got a nice woman. You got you know what I mean. Has it always been there in in a real yeah, in a I, present? I, I mean, way? I guess so. Yeah. You know, like I mean, in Leno influenced me, or you know, if you work clean, you'll always work. Right. I'm like, right. well, okay, well, sure, I want to work. I, yeah. So. But, but you don't strike me as an, uh, uh, a fundamentally dirty guy. No. I mean, like, if, if that's what you are, that's what you're going to be. Right, yeah. right. Uh, you I, know. Even in the new special, you know, you take it right up to the edge with porn. You don't go too that's, far. Uh, that, but that's always the guy I've been. I, I walk right up to the edge. Like my mother used to say, if I told you not to cross a line, yeah. you would walk right up to it and yeah. balance on one foot right. over it, but right. you wouldn't go over it. You right, know? and I can feel it. With your audience, right? Because I can feel like, you know, you know right where you got to stop. And they wouldn't, they would be disappointed if I went over it, I think. Um, No, I think so too. They'd be like, well, that got a little, you know. You know, but but it's like with my faith, well, I mean, it's faith. It's like you either believe we're an accident or that we were created right, right, right. And so, I mean, that's pretty easy. Which side of the fence are you on? Well, right. I think we're pretty amazingly complicated to just be an accident sure, and sure. so i'm like okay we were created well if we were why well we had yeah. to be created with some kind of purpose i think mine was to do this okay. this was my gift sure. i think this is your yeah. gift yeah. this is yeah. some people they're good at wiping old people's asses you yeah. know that's yeah. their gift well you know what you know i think a lot of people are gonna have to do that whether it's their gift or yeah, not. yeah right but <laughs> but yeah. so but you know, I, I'm not one of those people, if if what I believe makes me be kinder to you, yeah. be kinder to my wife, right. be more accepting of other people, then how can you look at it and go, that's a bad thing? Oh, no. no I'm, I'm, I'm not here to judge, but it's just so funny because I, I, you know, the way I work, if, if what I'm doing it makes me kinder or better to other people, better than my wife, is usually because I, I really did a bad job of her. <laughs> It's not because I learned some lesson yes. uh, from the from the Bible. It's because like I got a lot of hurt people back there. Yeah, right. You, yeah, well, yeah. that was my dad. You know, he oh, was yeah. married six times, and <laughs> yeah, he just couldn't keep his pants zipped. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time he unzipped them, the world blew up, and he just kept walking. You know, so. <laughs> Yeah, is he still around? No, he yeah. died in a car wreck in '99. But oh, he was a carrier. He was funny though. Yeah, he must yeah, have been. Funny. He was funny. He could, yeah, he could talk to women. He yeah, could, he was. Well, good. It sounds like it. Yeah, six. He, do you have a lot of steps uh, siblings? No, I actually have. I don't. But you would think that I would. But because, he didn't. Huh? He didn't uh, last that long. No, he. Oh. Uh, and and he used to be like a deacon in the church. In fact, I think he got. Wow! When my when my little brother was born, I think he got caught in bed with a church organist or something. Wow! He was a player. I mean, yeah. when you're doing that in the church, yeah. yeah. Well, you know those a lot of those guys. Not, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and he left. You know, they got divorced when I was like eight or something. Sounds like he was probably so, better off. So for me, yeah, for growing up without a dad, right, it became 
like once I had kids, yeah. it was very important for me to not let that happen. Sure. So even though I had a job that was taking me on the road, I was paying to go home that night so I could get there and take my kids to school the next day. That was oh yeah, that was the priority, wow. and so that probably kept me out of a lot of trouble. Sure, know. sure, responsibility. Yeah, and uh, and 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 honoring it. Well, having kids changed. I I tell people the day my first kid was born, that's the day I became responsible. Mm. Yeah, and they turn out okay. They're great. Oh, good. They're great. Congratulations. Yeah. Got a new special. You got good kids, a new grandson. Yeah. My my kids, they, my kids even want me to live close to them. They're both like nine minutes away. Well, yeah, that's because they want you to babysit. Yeah, Don't be fooled. Well, it is. <laughs> and, I, and I do. So. All right, man. Well, it was certainly uh, great to catch up. It's been a while. Yeah, man, it, it's, it's been, it's, it's 35 what, years. 35 years, but, but it's, but it thrills me because I know you're one of these guys. We can't help it. This yeah. is the thing that, uh, yeah. this is the gift we were given and yeah. it's like, what are you going to do with it? But yeah. to see you do so well with it and be successful with it and you're like, yeah, that's cool. Well, thank you. And I think the older we get, we understand. Comic minds understand each other. Look at comics. It's like we're a secret society. We dude. are. We're, we're like, a, like some weird brotherhood. Even the like the, the fact that like you know whatever it is, however anyone judges us or however it, it does the fact that you know you and Ron White are on the road. Like we, there's a tolerance and an acceptance and an, a weird understanding we all have. Uh, even the worst of us in the best of us, we know all the different kinds. We do. But there's still, you know. But just... people ask me, who's the funniest person you've ever known? Yeah. And I say, Ron White. Of course. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, he's right up there with me, too. Oh, my God. He's made the funniest, just naturally funny human But he's also the guy where you're like, how is he still alive? Yeah. Yeah. Do you is want he... him to marry your daughter? Hell no. <laughs> But God, is he uh, funny? Oh, God. He was telling me the, how he fucked up the last marriage. And I was like, dude. <laughs> He marries them all. I'm like Ron. Just date. Yeah, just dude. date. What's going on with his? The, the what's he? Got, he still got that ceramic business down in Mexico. Yeah, I think I think the ceramic. I still got one of his ceramic pots from that business. Is he in the tequila so. business still? He's still in the tequila business. Right, well, say hi to him. For I me. will, buddy. Nice talking. Thank to you. you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and by the way, that I, whatever, however much shit you had to go through, whatever aggravation that you had to go through to get that last story on that special. On the new special, uh, what was it? What's the special called again? It's called the Good Old Days. The Good Old Days. That last story is worth it. It's worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yes, sir. Yeah. That was Jeff Foxworthy. Nice guy. And the new special is called The Good Old Days on Netflix. There's some uh, Stratocaster for you. Straight into the champ.
Boomer lives. Monkey in La Fonda. Cat angels everywhere.